I'm Representative Liz Olson. I'm Representative Jamie Long. And we're the co-hosts of the Minnesota Values Podcast. Every week, Liz and I bring you real stories from real Minnesotans about the values that inspire action at our state capitol and in our communities. Listen anywhere podcasts are available. Welcome, podcast listeners. We're on episode three, season two of the Minnesota Values podcast and excited to have a great episode. Well, Liz, you want to preview what we're going to be talking about? Sure, Jamie. As mentioned in the previous podcast, we're going to continue to follow up with our top 10 Minnesota Values bills from last year. And so we're on House Files 8 and 9, which are our gun violence prevention measures. So we have some advocates and storytellers and moms here with us today. So it should be a pretty interesting show. Absolutely. So we had an episode last season about House Files 8 and 9 with uh, Representative Pinto and Representative Richardson, who are the authors of the two bills. Uh, And we passed these bills off the floor of the House last year, which was a really big deal. They were a part of a big omnibus package that included a lot of uh, different bills. That's the way most of our bills were taken up last session because it was a big budget year. And so this year we... uh, No, the issue hasn't gone away, and so we're going to bring them back up this Thursday uh, to the floor. So this is a a timely topic to be talking about gun violence prevention, Um, and with that, we'll get right into the discussion. Yeah, so we want to welcome our two guests for uh, the Minnesota Values podcast. We have the co-chairs of the Moms Demand Action Minnesota chapter with us, Molly Lutz and Jessica DeWorth. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks. And we were chatting a little bit before the show. You also have kiddos who are really active in this issue too, but they are not with us here for the recording of the podcast. That is better for everyone. (laughs) Be more fun. Um, But anyway, so we're really glad to have you here. It's important to have the voice of Minnesotans to really talk about these bills, not just from a technical standpoint, but to talk about it from what it will do to improve the lives of Minnesotans. So maybe we could start with you, Molly. Share a little bit about what brings you to the issue of gun violence prevention. Sure. Thank you. Um, I mean, as as you mentioned, I am a mom, um, and Moms Man Action is definitely not just moms. We call ourselves mothers and others, so anybody as interested in this issue can be part of Moms Man Action. Um, but I do come at it um, as a mom. I, my daughter was six months old when Sandy Hook shooting happened, and I remember seeing alerts on my phone as holding her, and just thinking that that had to sort of be the last straw, like that this had to be something that, that spurred people into action and just feeling really disheartened and disappointed that nothing changed and then began following the issue a little more closely after that and and learning that it was not just you know these mass shootings take up a lot of media space and a lot of um they get a lot of attention but really starting to understand that a hundred of a hundred americans die on average every single day from gun violence uh and that's you know over thirty thousand people a year and so um that was kind of my in. And then when the Pulse shooting happened, I got more involved, came to my first advocacy day here at the Capitol um, three years ago. And from there, have just kind of moved up the chain and taken more and more of a leadership role and just trying to get as involved as I can to do as much as I can. That's really great to have you here. And we should note that they came fully dressed in their shirts that we're getting accustomed to seeing around the Capitol, the signature red and orange shirts that we see often here. So I'm glad that you both came even for a a recording and that there's no visual. We think our listeners should know. So uh, tell us a little bit, Jessica, about how you came to work on this issue. Sure. So very similar to Molly, I had an almost one-year-old when Sandy Hook happened and I was working my 
you know, he was in daycare all the time. And I, when the news flashed across, I walked out of my office. I told no one where I was going and I went and picked up my child and took him home and just, you know, held him and sort of made a promise to him that I would do what I needed to do to keep him safe and to keep all kids safe. And what you realize when you dig into it is, as Molly said, these big events that sort of shock the conscience and bring all of our attention, the magnitude of that happens every day all over the country. And the more I read, the more angry I became. And then when you turn and see the inaction and how nothing's happening and any other crisis of this magnitude, our lawmakers, you would think, would be right on it. And instead, we're seeing this sort of inaction. Absolutely. Um, and I think those two stories resonate with me. I've got a one-year-old and a three-year-old, and they're in uh, daycare, and they are still doing uh, shutdown drills and, and daycare, right? Uh, so we're living in a, a world where this is real for so many families and, and parents to think about. You both get to work with a ton of amazing organizers and uh, individuals in your group. Uh, you're wearing a shirt, Molly, for, for Bertie Beeks, who's got an amazing uh, and heartbreaking story herself. Just curious if there are any stories of folks in your group that stand out to you from the organizing that you've been doing? Uh, sure. We have, um, we have many survivors that we work with. Every town has sort of survivor fellows that they bring in and provide support to, and they have fellowship together as well. They sort of work as a support group for each other. Uh, we have one member, Stephen Venable, whose father and brother were killed in a home invasion, and uh, his father was shot at the door, and his brother came running down the stairs to sort of see what happened and tried to fixed this situation and he was also shot and killed himself. And what Stephen has realized through this process is the boy, the young man who killed his father and brother was also a survivor that, you know, this ripples through all communities. And it's, it's so difficult if we're not doing what we can do to prevent it, how it, it affects everyone. So that would be, you know, one story that touched my heart. And I mean, Molly and I, you know, it's hard every time you hear them, they have to retell these stories because they're not seeing results from, from the people in charge. So it's very tough. But And to that, we talk a lot about, we mentioned it already around school shootings and preventing gun violence in school settings. But um, as a mom who is a part of a group that got to know each other through our kids being born is also intimate partner violence. And to see that happen in my community and, and watch a mom with a kid my, you know, my daughter's age um, be killed by an intimate partner. I mean, we're not just talking about school shootings. We're also talking about partner violence and femicide and what that is. So I'm assuming that's also something you think and talk about within your groups, too. Oh, absolutely. And especially in Minnesota, you know, the majority of firearm deaths in Minnesota are not homicide or, you know, intimate partner violence. They're by suicide. And we have to acknowledge that suicide is gun violence also. And when the majority of, of gun deaths in Minnesota are by suicide, we have to take measures that we can to try to prevent those. Absolutely. Well, we get to the honor of seeing you both up here at the Capitol a lot, and you bring a lot of moms and others, mothers and others, <laughs> with you. Uh, so, how's how's the organizing been going? What's uh, you know what's motivating so many folks to help turn out with you all up here at the Capitol week after week? 
Uh, you know, I think it's just that nothing has changed. So we're still seeing over 400 Minnesotans a year die by gun violence, and that is intimate partner violence, suicide, homicide, city gun violence, all of that. You know, you see a spike in violence in both Minneapolis and St. Paul this past year. So um, I know that that has been on the hearts and minds of our Minneapolis and St. Paul chapters. Um, both Duluth and Rochester are really active chapters working on, on issues in their areas. We've got Moorhead, um, Winona, you know, so we're, it's not just the city. It's not just the suburbs. It's outstate, greater Minnesota, all of it. So we have, um, we just have an energy in every space and people come to it. Again, you asked us our stories and I think we always ask that. We ask that at our meetings. We ask everybody how they came to this issue and there is no wrong answer. You know, it's whatever motivates you to be, to be there. And some people have got really tragic stories and some people just are scared for their future and for their kids' futures. Um, so I think that the energy is that we saw our ability to make some change. So since Moms Demand Action was started at right around Sandy Hook almost um, seven years ago, just over seven years ago, um, just we just keep growing and we keep seeing the, the power that we have politically that we can move. We're a nonpartisan organization, but we are a political organization. So we're looking to make political change. Um, and I think people are seeing that it makes a difference and that these big masses of red shirts, of orange shirts, of people who keep showing up just makes a difference. Um, and so people are just pushing for change. That's, that's awesome. And I think one thing that I've seen, I, this is an issue that I've cared personally about and worked on for years. And the activism that you all and other groups bring to this is really what's changed, I feel like. Um, you know, yeah. a couple decades ago uh, when the assault weapons ban expired at the federal level and people were afraid to even talk about gun violence uh, at a national issue, people weren't, weren't re ready to run on it. You know, we're running away from it, frankly, right? Yeah. That's changed, right? Now people are willing to step up. And I don't think that's that the leaders have changed so much as that the organizing has changed. And I wonder if you could reflect on that a little. Yeah, I, I think that's that's very true. I mean, we often say it was one of the like third rail of politics. People didn't want to talk about gun violence. They didn't want to talk about gun safety reform. They didn't want to talk about legislation. Um, uh, we had uh, just there's been a real shift in that um, that people run on it. This is a this is a voting issue now. Um, this is something that people. It's still rare, but it, it crosses party lines. We have we have gun sense candidates who are on both sides, Democrat and Republican. Um, that's a big shift, and yeah, people are putting that out front as one of their marquee issues. And I I do think that that's by people showing up and telling, repeating their stories, and that this matters to us as voters and as constituents and as citizens. It makes it easier for you know our legislators to to make a stand on it, and that's the power of that organizing. And from a legislator standpoint, I mean, we're very grateful that we do what we need to do in the Capitol, but it's being amplified by everything you're doing, and, and it's giving us a clear mandate of what we have to do, and that is all on you. We may do the voting, and we may do the policy drafting, but really, you have created the mandate, and we appreciate that, so we're so glad you're here. Um, so can you say for our podcast listeners that maybe care about this issue but haven't taken action, can you share a little bit about this week as these bills will be going to the floor, and a little bit about what you see coming up and where you're going to be focusing your advocacy and how people can get involved? Yeah, sure. So this uh, coming Thursday, 
Protect Minnesota, which is one of our partner organizations, will be having their advocacy day at the Capitol. They'll be here starting around 10 in the morning, I believe. So we'll be here to support them in that. And then obviously we're trying to drive people out for the vote. We want to make lots of noise and let our representatives know that we want this to happen and that we've sort of been waiting and we'd like to kind of keep it moving. Uh, I get calls and emails and people stand up at meetings and they say, I want to do something now. What can I do now? And these are people that are poised and ready that if it doesn't go their way are going to channel all that energy into door knocking and phone banking. And that is our goal. So if you don't get it done, we're going to make sure we find people that will. (laughs) Um, And then March 18th, we have our Moms Demand Action Advocacy Day at the Capitol, and we will be here starting at 10 a.m. And we will meet with legislators. We will train you to meet with your legislator. It's really easy. Uh, It's fun. It'll be a great day. So we hope people will join us for that. And I imagine you'd like people to still write their or email their reps and their senators would probably be a really good thing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, definitely contact your senator and let them know that this is important to you. Also, your representative, you can text ready to 64433 and that will plug you right into your local group and we will have actions for you right away to get in touch with your representatives. So last year, you showed up on the first day of session, you showed up for hearings, you showed up for the vote, and you won, right? We got a vote through the House for House Files 8 and 9. How did, how did that feel? How did, what did that do for your members? It was definitely energizing and exciting, and it's, it's hard sometimes to hold on to that. Uh, so we're hoping that after this vote that happens, all goes our way, that we'll be able to sort of keep people involved because we have one more hurdle and it feels good. But we're not done until that governor gets out his pen and signs that that's thing. Right. So we're ready to stick it out until that happens. And that's the flip side, right? Is that uh, passed the House, but but didn't go anywhere in the Senate. And so, what um, you know? How are you all feeling about the Senate these days? And <laughs> well, we we definitely wish that in that 2018 we'd had a few senators to to door knock for and against. Um, but we will. You know, we're hoping that they hear that this is an issue and that they saw what happened in 2018, where this was a voting issue and in some really tight house races, we door knocked like crazy and phone banked like crazy. Um, You know, we did a lot of work for Ruth Richardson, who's the author of one of the bills. Um, I know I went on a couple door knocks with (laughs) Representative Long. We sure Um, did. (laughs) And and we just really, you know, I think again from every in every part of the state. So this is the suburbs, the cities in greater Minnesota, north, south, east, west, all over the place. We have, you know, we have a really mobilized, energized group. And and the message is, if if you don't listen to what, you know, nine out of 10 Minnesotans want, which is background checks and really high support, you know, almost 80% for red flag laws, you know, this is a, this is a mandate, like you said, Rippleson. I think that, you know, this is what Minnesotans want across party lines. And if you don't listen to your constituents, then it's our job to vote you out and vote in people who do listen. So, you know, we're hoping that the pressure and that, again, we showed up the first day this year again, we've, I, this is, I almost know my way around this building <laughs> Not quite, you know, this is our third or fourth trip to the Capitol already this year. We'll be back later this week. We'll be back again in March, any committee hearings that come up. So, you know, just knowing that we're always going to show up and we went, we had a big group from Duluth that went to Hibbing for the hearings. Um, and we just, we'll show up every time, every place we, you know, kind of this year, it's moms are everywhere is our hashtag. And it's true. You know, we're at all the town halls. We're everywhere. So 
it's just if you don't listen, then we're going to do what we did in 2018, which is work really, really hard to get people in who will take action. Absolutely. Minnesotans' lives really depend on this. It's not just because, you know, we're Republican or Democrat. It's we want to make sure people are safe in our communities. And that's part of what the Minnesota Values Plan and project was. It's not just these bills that are seem like a good idea. They add up to the Minnesota that we all want to live in, where you can feel safe no matter where you are. Your kids can have a vibrant future. We can age well. And these two bills are a big part of that. So we appreciate you bringing the stories. We appreciate your advocacy. It's great to be in this work together. And I go back home to Duluth and I have a very active chapter. Joan Peterson, I feel like she'll listen to this, so I will say her name, um, you know, is one that just is always beating the drum on that. And that gets tiring too. And I think, you know, to see a groundswell of people coming up with the storytellers and the survivors is really powerful too. So um, we got to get this done. And I I just want to echo that comment that your energy gives us energy, right? The fact that that you all are so willing to come back here week after week, day after day, um, it matters, right? It it helps uh, folks here prioritize this at the top of their list. It helps them uh, understand how important this is to our communities. And uh, to your point, Molly, this is this is not a fifty-fifty issue. This is a ninety percent issue for Minnesotans. There is a very small uh, minority who who doesn't agree with this, and most Minnesotans do want to see their families kept safe. And I assume that's what what you all are hearing as you're out talking in communities too. Is that this is uh, widely popular uh, with uh, with our communities? Absolutely. And, and what we do know is states that have already passed these laws see lower rates of gun homicide. They see lower rates of intimate partner homicide with guns. They see lower rates of gun suicide. There are less policemen dying in the line of duty. They are seeing a difference. These are evidence-based solutions that are common sense and ready to prevent gun deaths in Minnesota. Great. Well, we really appreciate you being here, and we'll look forward to cheering with you in the rotunda on Thursday. Woohoo! And then pressing our green buttons. That's right. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a good day. And then all eyes on the Senate. Thanks so much. Thank you.